and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? A little downtrodden. Oh my. Oh well, right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're Sorry. the one who suggested we talk I know. about I, this. I didn't know we were there yet. Uh, I wanted to first say thank you to Amanda for being on the show yes. last week. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, and thank you once again to everybody for, uh, contributing to the best actors and actresses list. Uh, yes. And giving us some homework. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing that, that can come away from lists like this is, uh, you realize, okay, I guess there's a, I guess that I have some blind spots and I definitely did last week. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been, tr- I've been making a considerate effort over the past couple of years at this point, a year and a half, two years at this point to watch more of my blind to fill in some of my blind spots and i'm realizing there are a lot of them uh yeah you know i i spent i mean i i like old movies but i've spent so much of my time as an adult cinephile watching keeping up on the new stuff keeping up on the year yeah. the current year um I've, I've made and basically uh, if you listen to my other podcast and you hear me talk about how I barely watch any TV anymore, yeah. that's what I sacrificed. I'm still keeping up on my own current movies. I'm just not really watching much TV anymore. Yeah. I mean, there are times when there are a number of reasons that I would like to be a professional critic. One of them is that, you know, cause we do this and we have day jobs. <clears throat> so it's like, all right. And we have other responsibilities, but I have a career, a, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I don't like. I don't think of my job as like something I'm just doing. I like my job a lot. I like my job, but in my case, it's because it allows me to do things I actually want to do. Oh. Um, but that's the thing is, I'm working towards a career now because I'm going back to school. Right. Yeah. Um, and now school is going to be an issue uh, as well. But you know, if you're a full time critic, then see, like your job is seeing new movies. Uh-huh. Your hobby can be seeing the old ones that you've missed, <laughs> right. you know, uh, which sounds marvelous, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, thank you everybody for, for that. Um, we do, before we get to why we're so sad, which I'm sure people are looking forward to that conversation. Um, we do have a couple of announcements. Uh, one of them is that, uh, October 7th. And we mentioned this on the, on the movie journal. Yes. Um, we are celebrating 500 consecutive weeks of battleship retention. Um, in a few weeks, but, uh, shortly before that, we're going to have an informal meetup, get together celebration, um, at the Tonga hut in North Hollywood, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, I think I'm safe in saying Los Angeles oldest tiki bar. Sure. I feel like I know that to be true, but I haven't actually looked it up. Um, but it's on, uh. Uh, it's yeah, Tonga Hut. It's on uh, Victory, just east of Coldwater. Right. We'll be there Friday, October seventh, around eight or nine. Like I said, yeah. very informal. We're not. This isn't like Comic Con. We're not sponsored. We're not buying drinks. It's just, right. We're just gonna hang out, have some fun. I've have some Navy Grog, maybe. Sure. Mai Tai or three. Right. Yeah. Zombie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What are you gonna drink? Coke. Probably a Coke. <laughs> Maybe some water. Uh, one of those two. Yeah. Um, depends on how I'm feeling uh, physically. I've been trying to uh, uh, not have as much uh, sugar or, or carbs in general. I've lost about seven pounds in the last few weeks. Huzzah. Uh, which is very exciting. Um, I'd like to lose more, but uh, you know. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Namaste. Um, I don't. Totally remember what think, that means. I don't think Namaste fits. <laughs> I don't think it does either. Um, so yeah, uh, so we wanted to say that, and then I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, announcements. Oh, yes. Okay, here's the deal. 
speaking of our 500th thing, uh, which isn't happening yet, but, uh, we had an idea a while ago and it worked out so well over on uh, Hey, watch this, that, uh, that now we feel all the more emboldened in asking for this. So, and this is a weird thing to be asking for because, uh, it could come across as, Hey, uh, say nice things about us. It doesn't necessarily have to be that though. Basically, here's what I want. Over the next, uh, let's say, two or three weeks, um, I want you to email me, Tyler at com, and I would like you to email me uh, some audio, like MP3s of yourselves talking about like your favorite uh, favorite episodes of Battleship Pretension, your favorite memories. It could be a, a specific conversation or a moment. It could be something that you found particularly funny or particularly poignant yeah. or just something that you really liked about the show. Should we also say, I can't remember if you still wanted to do this, if you do have a favorite bit of a show and you know where to find it, send us the episode and the time code. Yes, that uh, would be great. Someone already did send us one list. Of those, yes, that's right. Um, they did, which is fantastic. There's some, there's some great stuff uh, in there. So yeah, that that'd be fun too. If you have some specific clips that you can not only recall, yeah. but you actually know how to find like where they are, that would be helpful. There is one. There is uh, one guy who, because I put this out on Facebook, um, and there was one guy that emailed, uh, and he didn't. You know, I'll say this: you could also. We prefer audio. But you could also just email me and say, hey, I really like this part. That's what this guy did. And he mentioned, uh, I won't say what it is, but he mentioned something from our first year. And I remember just thinking like, and he said, that's like the funniest, that's my favorite episode. It's the funniest you guys have ever been. And I thought like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it has We're been a steady, not getting any yeah, steady decline since then. But, uh, but yeah, so please try to do that over the next few weeks. Tyler, battleshipretention.com. MP3s would be preferred. Uh, and yes, and be as specific as you can. Um, and, uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, and I think that is it aside from paying some bills. Oh, um, zombie commentaries are still available. Oh, that's uh, available. right. Yes, yes. Um, uh, those are available $3 each, or uh, you get all four of them for 10 in which we talk yeah. about uh, the three, the first three George Romero zombie movies, and then... Um, and then the Zack Snyder remake. Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, we're not moving units as much as I would like to, and I feel kind of bad about that because I feel like I haven't really been pushing it that hard. Um, yeah. But yeah, we had a great deal of fun. This is a way to... This was, a, like, a really, really fun one. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. mean, we always have fun. They always are fun. I, yeah. I've gotten to the point where I look forward to them, except for the one I did sick. Um, yeah, that's, but, that's uh, a little rough. Uh, yeah, this was the... the we, we watched the first three Romero uh, of the dead movies, and then we watched uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake and we had our friends um, and past guests cycling in and out and yeah. talking about the movies with us and it was uh, it was a really fun day uh, so I, I, yeah. I hope people um, aren't sleeping on this thing yeah uh, uh, along with obviously we 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 sell this because we we want money but also I want people to hear this because yeah. I want them to have the fun that we had yeah um, this one definitely feels more like a general party type atmosphere so I feel like if you were yeah. to throw it on you feel like hey I'm in a room with a lot of fun people hopefully yeah so now, put down your phone oh, okay we're not paying bills yet we gotta okay. talk about why we're so sad okay yes that's true Sorry, I wasn't sure if we should get that out of the way. Uh, no, uh, a, a director of whom we're both big fans uh, passed away this week, uh, Curtis Hansen. Yeah, uh, that uh, it surprised me. He was relatively young. He was 71. Um, and it got me to, to think about him. He's not a, Honestly, he's not a director I've thought about for a while. Um, but I came to realize that he, he came about at a very formative time in my life. 
um, and put out a number of movies in uh, over the you know for me starting in ninety seven. But I had seen The River Wild before that. Um, but uh, yeah, he put out some movies that really that I really responded to uh, at that time in my life, and in some cases I still do. Um, but yeah, he started with, for me, he started with L.A. Confidential, which was a movie that just blew me away in 1997. The movie's almost 20 years old, which is crazy to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it was just such a, such a straightforward, and we'll actually, I'll, I'll briefly talk about L.A. Confidential later on in this episode, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one that just, I did not expect what it was. I mean, I was only 15 when I saw it and it's just, it's a movie that got me thinking about movies like current movies differently. Like I, I was very much in that view of like, well, good, good movies are in the past. Like they're, they don't make movies, you know, that idea, they don't make (laughs) movies like that anymore. Then you see Then I saw LA confidential and a number of other movies in 1997. that I thought like, these are pretty amazing. Uh, but then he made wonder boys, which I'm a big fan of. Yes. Um, and then he made eight mile, which was so much better than I think anybody thought it was going to be. Um, Mm -hmm. everyone thought it was just like going to be an Eminem vanity project, but there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. It's his purple rain. It is. Uh, and having re- having seen Purple Rain recently, uh, I think I can safely say it's better than Purple Rain. So people um, love Purple Rain. It doesn't stand out that much to me. Th- there are uh, anytime anybody's on stage, Purple Rain is great. Yeah, yeah. it's a good concert <laughs> film. But when I hear that, the they decide, that, that I decide to put some story to. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Eight Mile, and then he made um, he continued to make movies, or at least one more movie that people really like, which is In Her Shoes. That is a good movie. And, um, yeah, I remember I like that one. It was a lot. Okay. I saw Lucky You. Uh, I was one of the few people who saw Lucky You. I want. I um, still haven't seen it, and I'm a Robert Duvall fan. And I saw Chasing Mavericks, which is the one that he right. started directing and then was unable to finish for health reasons. Yeah. Um, uh, and Michael Apted uh, yeah. finished it and edited it. Um, uh, yeah, so I was apparently paying a lot of attention to Curtis Hanson uh, over the uh, last 20 years. He's a guy who... And I hope I hope this doesn't sound insulting. He's a guy that people will the, people are more likely to talk about his movies than about him. He, you know, though we are at this point like almost allergic to the term journeyman. I think he was very much a journeyman filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was an auteur. I think he was an ex- extremely talented director who could really command tone and could direct actors really well and two of his movies one best song by weird happenstance um and it's he was a remarkably strong filmmaker who wasn't an auteur and that's okay that's fine i mean it's more than okay i mean he's the he was a director who when i saw a kurt the movie was being directed by curtis hansen i was immediately interested that's what like you know like i said i saw lucky you not because the reviews were great or i was that interested in uh Eric Bana's mullet or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was like, it's a Curtis Hansen movie. I'm going to make some time yeah. to see that. Same with same within her shoes, which I, which I yeah. liked. Um, again, I don't love it like a lot of people do, but, um, there's a lot of things I love about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think now you mentioned, you mentioned like confidential. And I think obviously that's a big one for that's, you. That's the one that people yeah. are going to remember. And, and also that's a big one for, for, for you. Me, yeah. Um, wonder boys, I think will probably always be, my favorite Curtis Hansen movie. It is a shame that that film has been mostly forgotten because it's a, it's a great movie all around. 
wonderful performances, a very, uh, a very specific kind of script. You know, there's definitely a shambling quality to it as there should be. Um, yeah. and it captures that and he captures that tone perfectly. Yeah. Um, and it's odd. Wonder Boys is such an odd movie because it's directed by someone we've described as a journeyman mm-hmm. and it's written by someone I would kind of consider it. It's adapted by Steve Clovis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, who's done, you know, uh, he does a lot of like adaptations and stuff. He's, a, yeah. you know, does a lot of big studio adaptations. He's a very good writer, but basically everything about that makes you think this is going to be a solid, but conventional movie. Yeah. But there is something so personal feeling about wonder boys. Yeah. Um, and, and like, yeah, shambling is a great, a great word for it. It has this, um, fantastic bittersweet sense of humor yeah. to it. Uh, and it's bittersweet all around, but I think, um, uh, you know, people who know, me and know the show and know you know that like uh, a movie that can be emotional while still being funny is always going to uh, yeah. hit certain, certain buttons for us. And wonder boys is that uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's, it's got, it, yeah, it's, it's a very, very sad movie that also has a lot of very quotable yeah. joke lines. What's the, uh, what's the thing about the size of the trunk? It's like, that's a really big trunk. You can fit, and he lists like all the stuff that's in there. There's like a tuba, a suitcase, a dead dog, and a garment bag in there. <laughs> and and uh, uh, and and he's like, uh, that's exactly what the ads used to say. <laughs> yeah, and that's I will say this that that's that is an unsung Michael Douglas performance mm-hmm. as well. You know, people will obviously they'll think about Wall Street and they'll think about the American president. They tend to think of him when he's like very upright you know when he has things to, not to imply the gordon gecko is upright but just like he's very respectable like he he wears a suit really well but so much about his character in wonder boys is sloppy and disorganized and shambling and and directionless and that sort of thing and i'll say this it seems appropriate that as we have we we've started moving on from talking about curtis hansen to talking about the movies specifically as opposed to, and I don't mean to, okay. It's going to sound like by, by returning back to the idea that he's not an auteur, it's going, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm insulting him. What I'm saying is that Curtis Hansen was an argument for journeyman. Yeah. There's an emphasis on auteurs and I understand why, but you know what? Like Michael Curtiz, uh, I'd say Robert Wise, uh, and I think Curtis Hansen and a number of others are directors who put out some of the best movies you'll ever see. And they are willing to adapt to whatever the movie mm-hmm. needs to be. Would you believe that the guy that directed eight miles, the guy, the guy that made in her shoes, I wouldn't, yeah, it's... but, but he recognizes the, the tone that both of them needs and he adapts his style to that, you know, and you really feel like you're put in that world. Eight mile. I definitely feel like I'm put into that world. Um, and yeah, and so uh, I was very sad um, yeah. to to hear of his passing. Um, and uh, yeah, and honestly, this conversation uh, I've seen L.A. Confidential a number of times, but this conversation definitely makes makes me want to rewatch Wonder Boys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so R.I.P. Curtis Hansen. Absolutely. Also, uh, R.I.P. Me being interested in Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> right? Why? Uh, why? I feel like. 
You mean anymore? Yeah. Like uh, ever, like if you look at Robert Downey Jr.'s filmography, like the roughly like 15 years before Iron Man mm-hmm. are fascinating. He did yeah. so many interesting, uh, interesting roles. Um, and then I feel like he became famous and now he essentially, he just has a very, I feel like Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. now has a very narrow spectrum of like the characters that he wants to play. Like now that he can write his own ticket, he doesn't seem to be challenging himself that much. Whereas from 93 to like between Chaplin and Iron Man, he did so many weird, like from natural born killers to black and white to the singing detective to home for the holidays. Like all these, all these awesome little roles. Yeah. And, and kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And yeah, it's, uh, good night. Good luck. Zodiac. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and I will say that uh, within what he does now, he always does good stuff. Like if you look at the movies in which he has been Tony you, Stark, you're a big fan of The Judge. <laughs> I didn't see it. Uh, another Robert Duvall movie I didn't see, and he was even nominated for that. What is wrong with me? Um, but uh, but I will say that as Tony yeah. Stark, he has fa- like he is the heart of that franchise Uh, he's the heart of the mcu as he should be and he's taken this character that in other hands could be seen as kind of he's a lovable scamp and he has made him genuinely unlikable and dangerous and reckless uh a lot and and i feel like to take that character and find new things within him uh does speak to his ability as an actor i'd like to see him do more things but at the same time within what he is doing he's still doing good things he's always interesting to me even if the mcu isn't anymore um um yeah do you know speaking of the judge which i saw it's not very good but robert duvall apparently passed on the screenplay the first time because as i said it's not very good yeah uh, but then eventually took the job because he decided he wanted to work with Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that is interesting to me. Yeah, I like I, I like the idea of an older guy who's been like I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna be fine. Not that RDJ is some kid. He's like no, he's fifty something now, right? Yeah, I think so. And but that's the thing is this idea of y- you hear about like a younger guy being like, oh, I'm so excited to work with this older guy. Or you hear an older guy being like, I want to work with this young director. You don't often hear oh, yeah, like, yeah. oh, I want to I want to share screen time with, you know, with Iron Man. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love the idea. That Robert Duvall yeah. is, is like, oh, I get to be on the screen with Tony Stark. Yeah. That's exciting. I'll be really impressed when Robert Duvall is dying to work with Dane DeHaan. Like someone really young. (laughs) He's like, look, I'm the first one to say incredible, uh, amazing Spider-Man two. Isn't that good? But that guy playing green goblin (laughs) caught my eye. Um, all right. right, So we should move on. All right. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently available at Movie at Movie is Werner Herzog's classic film Fitzcarraldo, starring Klaus Kinski. Have you seen Fitzcarraldo? No, another, another blind spot. Uh, boy, oh boy, this movie is marvelous. Uh, I love it so much. Um, I've seen, I haven't seen enough Herzog. I've actually never seen A Gear of the Wrath of God. Um, but Fitzcarraldo is such an amazing film on so many levels. Not the least of which is like Apocalypse Now. Uh, 
the making of it is maybe as interesting as the story being told, but Fitzcarraldo is such a wonderful film about like, yes, obsession, but it's also just, if you're a creative person and if you appreciate art, I feel like you can watch this movie and see yourself in that character, you know, and while as disturbing as it would be to see yourself in Klaus Kinski ever, um, there's a real, we, we focus on how eccentric he, he, is in his characters and we don't often see how sad he can be and uh like if you look at his eyes like there's often a very sad uh, very sad quality to them that's why i find his performances count orlock uh in herzog's nosferatu to be particularly heartbreaking as well as terrifying but uh but in fitzcarraldo you have this guy who's just kind of he's sort of manic and he's definitely obsessed with doing this thing, but it's because he loves this thing so much and he's, you know, which is opera and he's trying to bring it to an audience that, that doesn't have it. And he's trying to bring this, not merely like civilized culture or anything like that, but he's trying to bring this art form to people that might be equally inspired by it, you know? And it's something that, you know, you and I as, as uh, semi-professional film critics, <laughs> you know, what is a film critic, but somebody who wants to introduce something and champion something to people that might not know about it otherwise. So I feel like it's something that you can relate to. I know I could, and it's just a, a marvelous film all around, a really wonderful achievement. Um, so uh, that movie and uh, and uh, 29 others are currently available at Mubi.com. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. And I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. Uh, they look great and they sound great, and we use them each and every day. Uh, they're um, uh, no no word yet on if they're uh, if they're coming up with something that'll be compatible with the iPhone Seven uh, over at Tweaked Audio. Um, but in the meantime, stock up uh, while you can on the classic earbuds um, that everyone loves, and they're available at a low low price at TweakedAudio.com. But if you use the offer code Pretension at checkout, you'll get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges. So go to TweakedAudio.com and use the offer code Pretension. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. But which I mean, over to you, Tyler, because this was your idea and I want you to lay it out. So I'm trying to think exactly why, where I thought of this, um, except that it's, it's been a part of my thinking for years. And I, okay. it might have started, honestly, with L.A. Confidential. Okay. My dad and I went to see it in the theater. Um, we actually got to see a critic screening in Denver because I worked for my school newspaper. And uh, so I wrote my review for, uh, for, for that sneak peek. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was, and as it turns out, uh, nobody at, in my high school was very interested in LA confidential, <laughs> but, uh, but I still wrote it. Um, so, uh, 
so we went to see it and I really loved it. And, you know, and I was, I was into film at the time and my dad said, well, you know, if you like LA confidential, you should see this movie Chinatown. Hmm. So I went to see that. And sure enough, I, I, I loved that as well. And I think at this point, I think I, I definitely, I think I prefer Chinatown to LA confidential, but, um, but even so, uh, you know, if you look at the nature of more than one lesson and the way we format our episodes, you know, we talk about a recent movie and then we have a companion film that is usually thematically similar, but we also try to pick ones that are somewhat artistically similar. And so what that ultimately is, is, oh, if you like this new movie, you'll like this older one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always been a thing that I, you know, when I worked at Blockbuster um, and, uh on Friday and Saturday nights, they would have someone whose job it was, they were the active seller and they just had to be out there on the floor. And theoretically they were supposed to be selling, you know, the various promotions that we had. But, uh, I would go out and just recommend movies to people based on what they said they liked. Um, and it was, and it was so much fun to me just, you know, not just recommending something blindly, but like, oh, do you like this movie? Then you'll like this one as well. And you pick the one that is that is lesser known, but that could become, you know, as Chinatown did for me. And obviously, I would have found Chinatown eventually, um, just being a movie fan. Yeah. But being introduced, you know, I saw it when I was 15, and I could have seen it when I was 19. So, like, that's four more years of loving Chinatown. Um, and so, it's a movie I didn't know about. And... That to me is what's really exciting is you could, as you recommend something to someone, you could be recommending one of their favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've got here. Uh, the, the title of maybe not this episode, I don't know, but the title of this topic uh, in my own mind is if you like that, you'll love this. Yeah, that should be the name of the episode. I'll try to remember to do that. Though I will say that I can't guarantee that if you like this, you'll love this other yeah, thing that's, more. I that's actually, that's like, not the thing. I started to feel when you were saying that, like, oh, I don't know if I thought about this the right way. Because yeah. some of these, I don't know if someone is going to love, but they are more, uh, maybe more under the radar or just older um, yeah. versions. How did you compile your, your list? Uh, oh, boy. I just, I paired them off. I talked I mean, about, wh- like, How did you get, like, if the, it's, if this then that right okay how did you pick your if movies uh i went with what is better known or what is more what is recent okay that people oh okay that people in general like but also film nerds like um okay so it could be a movie that's 30 years old but everybody has seen it and so it's like okay well if you like this thing which everybody does then maybe you'll like this other thing as well that's exactly um what i did for example um this is a not. This is if you like The Godfather, okay. Check out Abel Ferrara's The Funeral. I'm not sure. saying you'll like the The Godfather more. I'm not saying you like The Funeral more. Right. I don't like The Funeral more. Right. But it is um, a uh, moody family-based gangster movie, uh, Italian-American gangster movie um, that uh, not enough people have have seen. And it's definitely. I think it'd be a, a good companion film, not merely to The Godfather, but also The Godfather Part Two, because. The Funeral is a film that is family-based and really introspective about that and mm-hmm. just how, yeah, you know, putting your family... Obviously, in life, you want to put your family first, but uh, you can, if you take that to an extreme, you're Michael Corleone. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, that's not great. Although the, the Funeral also, I think it's... I think, I know, it gets more overtly political 
than the sure. Godfather because it uh, there's the flashback story that involves uh, like you know unions and organizing and sure. uh, socialism and stuff like that. Uh, and it also features a number of wonderful performances. Uh, one of uh, Chris Penn's Chris later Penn. performances, Benicio del Toro is marvelous in it. And the scene yeah. that I know you love, I love that scene. I, did, I wrote a whole uh, paper on that scene when really? I, I had to do a shot by shot. I had to pick a scene from a movie and do a right. shot by shot analysis. And the scene. Yes, the scene when Christopher Walken has Benicio del Toro tied to a chair and is interrogating him while carrying a fire axe. Yeah, uh, is the <laughs> is the scene that I chose to deconstruct shot by shot for a school uh, paper. And you and I, by the way, loved so many elements of that scene. One of them is that. Uh, Christopher Walken leaves the shot and when he returns, he's carrying a fire axe. That's right. I forgot about that. We, yeah, we never see him pick up the fire axe. He just yeah. comes back yeah. having gathered a fire axe. Um, yeah. It's perfect. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Chris Penn, Christopher Walken, uh, Vincent Gallo. And then um, you've got, uh, I want to say Annabella Sciorra is. That sounds right to me, but I'm not 100%. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. Although, you know, brace yourself. It's not a, it's not a fun, happy movie. It's, it's a pretty for, heavy movie. If, yeah. you, if you know who he is, yeah. then you've got it. So yeah, okay. I'm glad that that's uh, that you agreed that I uh, did this right. Then yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so here's one of my one of my go tos, and uh, and I'll be bouncing around. A lot of these are are more recent movies, just because of you know I if I went year by year, uh, I'd go insane. Uh, the Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. A movie that you know was nominated for picture directors. You know it was a, 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 a surprise box office hit that year, um, to such a degree that it overshadowed a movie that came out the same year mm-hmm. called Stir of Echoes. Cool movie that I love, and cool and Chicago movie. Yes, it is absolutely. Uh, and there are elements, you know, in both cases, it's it's somebody who's suddenly aware of the supernatural. And trying to get to the bottom of that, um, Stir of Echoes, I think, is is a more adult movie in many ways. It's rated R, and I feel like Sixth Sense is something you know. In our in our uh, in our movie journal, we were talking about the idea of a ghost story, and there's an element of ghost story to Sixth Sense. Whereas I think Stir of Echoes is like an R-rated supernatural thriller that is definitely scary, but also very disturbing at times. Um, but yeah, if you like sixth sense i think you will i think i prefer stir of echoes personally um but uh but yeah i've i feel like if you like one you will definitely like the other are we just gonna go back and forth sure okay um this one's i'm not going something old and i'm going something this is actually newer than the film everybody loves a shawshank redemption right okay um and i don't know if enough people although maybe our listeners have but i don't know if enough people saw start up Oh, okay. Which is a much more recent prison movie, um, starring, uh, um, Ben Mendelsohn and, uh, unbroken, um, money monster, Jack O'Connell. Uh, is that his name? I don't remember. Uh, yes. Um, and it also stars, um, Rupert friend, uh, whom we talked about on a recent episode, uh, cause he was the other actor to play Hitman. Oh yes. You okay. know what? Actually that, it might not have made it into the final episode. Uh, maybe not. Uh, oh, well. Maybe that was... Yeah, we talked about who were the two actors to play uh, the Hitman character from the mm-hmm. video games. It was, of course, Timothy Oliphant. And everyone... Uh, not everyone, but uh, you didn't. You and Scott didn't know Rupert Friend's right. name. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll say this. Uh, that episode uh, won't post for a while. No, no, no. That was during the... Um, 
fall preview episode. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. that was a while ago. All right. Spoilers. Everybody Scott shows up in an episode at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's already recorded. Um, but, uh, yeah, startup. Uh, I don't know. Did you see it? Cause I you did not. Yeah, I heard, think you'd really love it. Well, it's um, the same director as uh, hell or high water, which I liked a lot. Yes. David, David McKenzie. Is that his name? Yes. Uh, yeah. And Jack, of money monster plays, um, a, a youth, a juvenile uh, mm-hmm. in the prison system, but who's, um, is such a repeat offender and, uh, is so much trouble that he gets moved up into adult, uh, the, the adult gen pop, gen, mm-hmm. gen pop, which is called getting starred up. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie's not called start up like right. startup.com. It's starred S T A R R E D up. Uh, and in that gen pop of adults is Ben Mendelsohn, his father. Mm-hmm. They're not very close because Ben Mendelsohn has been in prison most of his life. Um, and he's played by Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so um, it's basically a story about uh, um, Jack O'Connell's character um, navigating this this new uh, world. Um, it's a great example. The movie is a great example of what I've talked about. This came up on our zombie commentary, weirdly, about how people are so limited when they think of the idea of world building, they tend mm-hmm. to think of it just in terms of like supernatural or fantasy right. or like building worlds other than ours. But when you're setting a movie inside a prison, like especially a, you know, I'm an American audience. This is a British, the uh, a pr- a prison in the UK. Um, you have a lot of world building to do. You have to set up, uh, you know, how this hierarchy works and what the rules are. And so there's a great deal of, of world building and you've got, Jack O'Connell as uh, a very um, violent, unstable young man with, uh, on the one hand, a father, actual father, father figure mm-hmm. um, who's trying to keep him safe, but also understands um, the certain necessities of living in prison. And you've got Rupert Friend as the prison um, psychotherapist who mm-hmm. uh, represents another father figure who is offering a different way, a more gentle way of yeah. of. Uh, of living. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, I also had one for uh, Shawshank Redemption, but I'll actually just kind of breeze past it, which is Stalag 17. If you haven't seen it, check I it out. I thought about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. But instead, I'm going to focus on David McKenzie, and I will talk okay. about Hell or High Water with the companion film A Perfect World. I don't know if you've ever I seen that. It's a Clint Eastwood, it's a Clint Eastwood with film. Uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, some of these are going to be, you know, similar in theme some of them are going to be similar in genre and the idea of uh, of the the modern western um that explores issues of masculinity and that sort of thing that is a perfect world all over the place it's a, it's a lesser known clint eastwood film uh one a really great performance by uh kevin costner who is not seen is not often viewed as the most charismatic actor but he can do the job when he when he is asked and he definitely plays this guy who is reckless and it's there's a father figure element there but uh he he essentially kidnaps this young boy uh but then the boy who doesn't really have a father in his life starts to look up to this guy and the whole time um clint eastwood plays like this this lawman along with uh, a team of people that's going after this guy and trying to get this boy back um you know and i I don't think it's as hard-edged as um hell or high water uh, but there's definitely an element of, of, you know, exploring certain, certain, um, 
ideas of the Western genre and how it relates and how it informs masculinity and trying to deconstruct that a little bit. And, uh, and I find it very, very, it's, it's a film that definitely needs to be, deserves to be remembered. So, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Okay. Um, this one, uh, I, I, I would venture to say a lot of people probably have seen this and it actually came up two weeks ago with, uh, with Tobo. Um, but, uh, you know, if you, you know, Schindler's List is a movie. Uh, check out Judgment at Nuremberg. That's something sure. you should definitely see if you if you haven't. Uh, again, I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like we have a very broad audience, and I think there are a lot of people listening who are hardcore cinephiles who have seen more movies than we have, sure. and think this episode is probably going to be kind of basic. But I know we also have a lot of um, uh, younger, budding yeah. cinephiles who listen to this show, and hopefully, um, we can. Yeah, don't don't sleep on Judgment at Nuremberg just because it's. Uh, you know, um, old and in, in black and white and is mostly just people talking. But that's the thing is you'd be surprised how many movies aren't part of the canon. They're not part of the movies that you've got to see. And judgment at Nuremberg is one of those. Mm-hmm. Like for example, honestly in modern movie, you know, modern movie nerds that are of a certain age, and I'm going to include you and I in this, there is this kind of attitude that, well, if it's important, Criterion will put it out. But every <laughs> right, once yeah. in a while, you'll get a Twilight Time, and they're who put out Judgment at Nuremberg. You know, um, they're the ones who put out something like American Buffalo. Glengarry Glen Ross is the one you've got to see. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone says like that's the one you need to see. Yeah. And American Buffalo gets forgotten. And while I don't think that that's essential viewing, it's worthwhile viewing. Is that and on so, your list? If you like Glengarry Glen Ross, check out American Buffalo? No, but I'll go ahead and say that if you like Glengarry Glen Ross, you should see 12 Angry Men. Now, most people probably are, are most of our listeners are, you could probably switch those around. Where if you yeah. like 12 Angry Men, you'll like Glengarry Glen Ross. It's funny because I was like trying to think of one earlier today, like for 12 Angry Men. <laughs> so yeah. it's funny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and just movies about, you know, obviously Angry Men, but. Another uh, couple of movies where if you introduce a woman into this, uh, it changes the dynamic. Like this has to be testosterone fueled, sort of like that movie Goat that you were talking about, where it, very, yeah. it's it's you know as much as people might say that like it's like oh men and women aren't that different. That's true, but the dynamics can be remarkably different uh, if you get like a group of women together or a group of men together, or you mix them up. Um, so okay, uh, uh, am I up next? Yeah. We're right. kind of we're kind of going we're kind of flowing a little bit right now, which is fine. Um, this one's going to go way back. If you like the Lord of the Rings movies, okay. go all the way back to 1924 Germany and check out Fritz Lang's Die Nibelungen, which oh, okay. is a series of two um, films. Um, the first one's called Siegfried, named after the main character, and I'm drawing a blank on what the second one's called because you can just watch them back to back. They go back, they go together, um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantasy epic, but. Uh, you know, dude with a sword in the woods and all that stuff you expect from, from yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, but, uh, you know, you get, uh, uh, some bonus Fritz Lang and you get to see a, uh, awesome German silent film, uh, mm-hmm. that's not expressionist, you know, not expressionist. That's interesting. I, I guess you, I mean, I don't think of it as expressionism. Um, that would be a good, yeah. If you've seen the movie, tell me, do you think of Dini Belongen as expressionism? Because I guess it's fantasy and I feel like that doesn't feel expressionistic to me necessarily. Not that it can't be. It it can be, but it's not automatically, I think. 
Um, uh, okay, so I will. I'm. I'm. There is no rhyme or reason to my bouncing around at this point. Uh, a movie that we, uh, I think, have talked about uh, called The Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked The Place Beyond the Pines, I think you will like as much or more Lone Star. Um, I don't know. You've seen Lone Star, right? I love love Lone Star. Um, I've seen it on 35 millimeter. Nice. At the at the Arrow. It was a double feature, a John Sayles double feature, Lone Star and Brother from Another Planet. Which I still haven't seen. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, yeah, Lone Star. Both of them are, you know, crime movies that explore, you know, legacy from father to son and, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I guess so That's far by, by weird uh, coincidence, I'm bouncing around to movies that like deal with masculinity. That wasn't the plan. And there are other movies I can be talking about, but just, uh, that's one that be- I think because I feel like we talked about place beyond the pine somewhat recently, uh, maybe with Scott for during the, the fall movie preview. Um, and, uh, and Lone Star, I feel like that's one that does not get talked about enough for film people. Uh, I feel like it's, it was big at the time and I think maybe even John sales in general gets pushed to the side. Uh, yeah. I wonder why that part. is. Um, I mean, he's still out there making movies and they're still, they're still good movies yeah. to, to varying degrees. And like, and that's the thing, you know, for, for a generation, uh, of film goers that, uh, that seem to really champion independent film, you'd think that John sales would be a bigger name, uh, considering how, how many movies he put out, he puts out that are uh, essentially not necessarily self-funded, but they're definitely independent. Um, but yeah, he's uh, what's, what would you say? Like if he's known for a movie, what do you think it is? John sales? Yeah. I, I honestly don't know what, what, which one it would, would be his, his biggest. Yeah. I don't know why I can't think of, I can't narrow it down to one. I mean, I guess Lone Star, Lone Star, maybe. I, I know the Passion Fish was big at the time, I never, I never uh, seen which that. I saw, and it was very good. Um, um, well, he did, I, I think his biggest release, he did Eight Men Out, right? That's oh, like yeah. his big, like, okay. most studio-ish movie, yeah. right? And maybe that's the thing, is the movies, like, the movies that he is known for are not necessarily known. So, like, if, those mo- if you're not going to remember those movies, you're not going to remember the man who made them. Yeah. And I feel like he doesn't have the one movie that everyone feels like they need to see, but listeners, you need to see Lone Star. Yeah. It's marvelous. Also check out, uh, if you want to get into John Sills and you haven't seen Madawan, check out Madawan. Sure. Um, which going back to what I was saying about the funeral, talking about 1930s union politics, that's what the mm-hmm. movie's, uh, all about. Um, I had one, and I, uh, went right past it. Okay. People like the, uh, um, revi- the sort of cynical uh, neo revisionist westerns of Sergio Leone. Um, check out uh, Man of the West, a um, an Anthony Mann, uh, Gary Cooper, um, Julie London uh, uh, western that I think is actually I think actually is late sixties. I want to say it's after maybe I, maybe I'm wrong about what year it came out. It's around the same time as the Sergio Leone movies, uh, and it is. Um, it's just as much uh, a <laughs> cynical look <clears throat> at um, how awful a place the West could be, uh, but with the added bonus of st- starring one of the stars of the kind of movies it's deconstructing, Gary mm. Cooper. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? 
Um, he plays a former outlaw gone straight who um, uh, is hired by a sort of a new small town, which is not something that exists in the modern world anymore. Yeah. But this town sprung up and they're like, hey, we need a sheriff. So they send uh, Julie London into the town he lives in to pay him to come be their sheriff. Uh, on the way back, they get uh, waylaid and get mixed up with his old gang. Mm-hmm. And he has to sort of, um, in order to survive and save Julie London, he has to maybe compromise some of the promises he'd made himself to no longer be uh, what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really fantastic and uh, fairly bleak Western. All right. Um, well, you said Westerns. Let's, let's, let me, let me see what I got here. I, I think I, and the Lone Star is, I guess, uh, certainly has an element of, of Westerns. Uh, okay. If you like Unforgiven, I think you would like a movie called Bad Day at Black Rock, which uh, stars Spencer Tracy. I think I probably did mention it uh, when we were talking about Spencer Tracy with uh, Tobo. Uh, and it's not, it's not like a, a one-to-one comparison or anything like, like that, but the idea of, and it certainly is not rare you know, to have uh, one guy comes into town and, and everything, and everybody's hostile towards him and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, Bad Day at Black Rock is... And it's not even strictly, it's not like an old time Western either. Like it's, you know, there's fedoras and stuff like that. And Spencer Tracy is a guy with one arm, uh, who comes into this town. Uh, I think he's, I think he's passing through and he just gets pulled into, uh, this intrigue because this town, which feels very old West is just suspicious of him and hostile towards him. Um, you know, in many ways I feel like it owes as much to say Dashiell Hammett as it does to the old West. And by combining these two things, uh, there's definitely a, there's a cynicism and, uh, and, uh, and an anger, um, that I think you could find in something like unforgiven. All right. Um, if you like inception, which you know, I don't, yeah, but inception is, but some know, people do apparently. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a big movie full of big ideas and all that. But, um, at, at its core, it's essentially a corporate espionage thriller mm-hmm. um, with some uh, mind-bending elements. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I said mindfuck on the movie journal. I didn't want to say mindfuck again, but it's <laughs> mindfuck. It's been a few days. Yeah, that's right. Um, I would say go back a few years and check out Olivier Assayas' 2002 film Demon Lover, which is another uh, corporate corporate espionage thriller that, in true Olivier Assayas fashion, gets weird. Um, uh, only here, instead of trying to do, they're trying to, I can't remember what the point of inception was or the plot part of inception. They're trying to get Gillian Murphy to give up his shares or something something. like that. Yeah. It's something like that. This is about, um, people stealing the, uh, uh, intellectual property of three (laughs) of, uh, 3d Japanese anime porn. (laughs) (laughs) that's fun uh it's but it's a terrific movie and the uh entire score was uh written and performed by sonic youth oh that's fun yeah uh let's stick with uh christopher nolan uh if you like interstellar you will like and this is a movie that a lot of people are aware of but uh not as much as they should be uh go see sunshine um directed by danny boyle Uh, did you see interstellar yeah Okay. I didn't like that very much. There are elements to Interstellar that I love, but the elements that I love about Interstellar are Sunshine. You know, like uh, Sunshine is more of that, um, and it's Danny Boyle who has a very specific uh, visual quality and and 
and brings a very specific, he, he always has a, such an odd kinetic sense of pacing that he does bring to certain elements of sunshine, but I, he, he does have Danny Boyle. There are a few directors that I feel like can capture ethereal quite as, as well as he does. And that's sunshine all over. Hmm. Um, so yeah, seek that one out if you haven't seen it. I think most, most of our listeners have, but you know, just in case. Uh, all right. Um, now this one, I feel like people who are exactly our age mm-hmm. or maybe our big Cronenberg fans, they already know this movie, but I feel like there's younger people or other people, people maybe didn't catch this one cause it's maybe minor Cronenberg. But if you like the matrix, you gotta see existence. Yep. That's on mine. That's on your list too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, existence is uh, a movie in, instead of a people living in, uh, un- involuntarily living in a, you know, a matrix created by machines. This is a movie about people voluntarily entering a completely immersive virtual reality video game, mm-hmm. uh, world. Um, but just like the matrix and kind of like, actually kind of like inception in a way, uh, it becomes, uh, the line, the, the, the lines between reality and the, and non-reality get, get blurred. Um, but be, being Cronenberg, you also get the added dose of, uh, uh, body horror and some really yeah. squicky stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, existence is a really, really cool. Um, let's say mind bending. Yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, the scene, uh, the various scenes in the matrix where they like unplug people, uh-huh. those are really un- un- uncomfortable, right? <laughs> Imagine if they were more uncomfortable. Yeah. That's existence. Uh, okay. My favorite movie of 2012 and a uh, favorite movie of many people was Paul Thomas Anderson's the master. Um, in which you have, you know, this very uh, unstable, drifting young man getting pulled into this uh, world that is, he's, he's very uncomfortable in and being manipulated uh, by this very sure of himself, uh, confident uh, uh, older gentleman. Um, so I suggest you see Richard Rush's The Stuntman. Uh, when I did, a, and my I more than one this before, I just, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. When I did my more than one lesson, uh, about the master, the stuntman was the companion film. Um, and it's mostly about that dynamic of these two guys. Like, uh, the stuntman does have the added bonus. Uh, if you're a movie fan of being about, um, Hollywood in which Peter O'Toole plays this director who is, in some cases, omnipotent. He's a, a total asshole, but he's as charming as can be, as Peter O'Toole can do quite uniquely. And then uh, crazy-ass Steve Railsback plays uh, a character that is, I think he's an ex-con, he's an ex-Vietnam, he's a Vietnam vet, and there's something clearly mentally wrong with him. And he gets pulled into this uh, into this uh, movie that is being shot. And, uh, you know, and start, and just feels like things are spiraling out of control. And this is a guy who didn't have a whole lot of control in the first place. So it's a, it's really great. Uh, Peter O'Toole is nominated for best actor for it. And it's a, it's a great performance by him, but the movie itself is, uh, is really interesting. Okay. Where was I? Where was I? Okay. Uh, if you like city of God, Fernando Maria is the city of God, go back to 1982 and check out Pichot P I X O T E directed by Hector Brabenko. Um, which covers much of the same ground uh, about uh, young children in the uh, in the in the in the slums and favelas uh, and whatnot being uh, 
put to uh put to work by criminals mm-hmm. um and uh it's yeah just like city of god it's a um uh it's a pretty unsettling um and grimy uh movie um it also would work if you are if you like in uh if you like slumdog millionaire check out Pichot because um it's part of the reason you know the um the young actors in slumdog millionaire um danny boyle and 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 the production company and the people like mm-hmm. set aside a fund for them you know to help oh. them get out of the okay uh yeah hector Banco didn't do that for the star of uh Pichot, who then went on to a life of crime and was shot and killed at the age of 19 oh my um and i think um that that story may have been part of the inspiration for danny boyle to set up a fund um and to take care of the young actors who are from the slums and some some millionaire but uh Pichot is a really great movie hector babanko is such an odd figure because he was like huge in the 80s i mean huge to a certain extent you know last week i talked about ironweed he directed that he directed kiss of the spider woman he directed uh, a film that admittedly is not like a, a big movie, but uh, 1991 called A Play in the Fields of the Lord. And then he, you know, and then he, he's, he's still working, but like uh, not on anything nearly as high profile. I mean, this was a guy who made, you know, Oscar worthy movies uh, in the 80s. And then uh, he's just not a guy people talk about very much anymore. Um, okay. So bouncing around a little bit more. Um, taxi Driver. If you like Taxi Driver, and a lot of people do, yeah. uh, there's a movie, uh, I think it's Nicholas Ray, uh, In a Lonely Place. Have you ever seen a lo- In a Lonely Place? No. It is, my fa- I'd, I'd say it's my favorite Humphrey Bogart performance. And it is this guy who is, you know, he's a screenwriter, uh, and he's fairly successful, and he gets involved in this in a in a, a a death that he may or may not be responsible for. Um, and Bogart, you know, for those that that might say he is, um, and I'm sure I mentioned this with Tobo as well, that he as an actor is is fairly predictable. You know what you get when you watch Humphrey Bogart. I'd say watch Kane Mutiny, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and In a Lonely Place. Like there's something very there's something about Humphrey Bogart coming un, just completely unraveling. Mm-hmm that he as an actor was totally willing to do that. And in a lonely place, he, he turns into a full on monster. I mean, he's he, cruel to his, uh, his girlfriend uh, or a wife. I don't recall. Um, and just eventually is so far from Rick from Casablanca or yeah. Sam Spade from the Maltese Falcon. You would not like, even though I had seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre, even though I had seen the the Kane Mutiny, when I saw In a Lonely Place, I was not ready for this Humphrey Bogart. Uh, it's it is amazing, and and the idea of like this just this guy who is very much alone and who just slowly but surely just loses his his mind. Um, it reminds me tonally and emotionally of Taxi Driver. All right. Um, if you like Saving Private Ryan, if you like that kind of uh, World War II, uh, you know, platoon movie about a bunch of 
guys mm-hmm. uh, working together under uh, under under one leader. Uh, check out 1949's Sands of Iwo Jima. Damn right, you and I watched that together. Yeah, and we had a great time watching that movie. Yeah, um, that's a really cool movie. It's a different, obviously, different theater of the war um, based on the name Pacific yeah. Theater as opposed to the European. Uh, but it uh, it's it's one of the prototypes for that kind of movie which you've seen in almost ever like so many World War Two movies that are about. You know, no. it is, it's a, it's a subgenre of war movie itself. What I think of as the platoon movie, which is just, uh, there's a bunch of different guys, you know, Forrest Gump even has its own like mini, like Vietnam platoon movie where yeah. it's like, everyone's like, you know, uh, identified by where they're from and like, yeah. uh, you know, a various group of guys. And there's usually a hard ass, but soft, uh, centered, mm-hmm. uh, leader. And in Sands of Iwo Jima, that's John Wayne. Yeah. And, um, uh, who did not make our list as we, uh, bemoaned a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, maybe because he's thought of his kind of, uh, one note, but check out Sands of Iwo Jima. Yeah. He was, I, I think he was nominated for best actor for that. And then he would go on to win for true get true grit. And he's wonderful in the shootest, uh, as well. Um, okay. So, uh, I'll go with, uh, with a newer movie. If you liked green room, which a lot of people did, okay. I did not care for that much. Uh, go and see the original assault on precinct 13. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like both movies definitely engage in, well, I mean, or Rio Bravo going even further. Back, sure. Right. But I, I'm thinking in terms of like movies that aren't necessarily horror dipping into oh, I horror. See what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's assault on precinct 13. The original, the new one is good, but it's a, it's a straight up action movie. Um, but yeah, that original it's John Carpenter and it's a, it's a movie where, you know, uh, these people are, are holed up in a police precinct. Um, and all these uh, criminals, this gang is like coming to get them, and it feels like a zombie movie. Yeah, and so and there's an element to uh, Green Room that definitely reminds me of that. So, uh, and I feel like I feel like people are are. It's not that they're discovering Assault on Precinct Thirteen, but certainly now that Shout Factory is and Scream Factory is, has been uh, snatching up all of uh, John Carpenter's films. It, much to his uh, delight, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like people are, are finding his his lesser known films now. All right, um, I'm kind of running thin on my list here. Okay. I'm getting some obvious ones. Like at this point, do I even need to say that if you like Psycho, you should check out Peeping Tom? Like, I think so. I don't I, know. I, I think I, people I, know it now. I hope so. Yeah, that's that's a big one. It's it's amazing how many of these come out the same year. Yeah, you know. Like Six Sense of Stir- and Stir of Echoes, Existence and uh, Matrix, and then Psycho and Peeping Tom. Have I? And I don't know if this uh, even counts. Um, and again, a lot of our cinephile uh, listeners probably already have done this. But if you like The Departed, watch Infernal Affairs, the movie sure. it's based on, which is the same movie, but it's like an hour shorter because it cut out a lot of the uh, bloat that I think uh, yeah. uh, hurts The Departed. And it's just a pretty straightforward, cool you know, cops and criminals, uh, thriller. Uh, I gotta find some, I'm running out here. Okay. I've got, I've got quite a few, but not a, none of, some of them are not that interesting or not that, uh, revelatory. Like, Oh, you like spotlight. You'll, you'll light all the president's men. Yes, of course you will. Yeah. Um, but I will say if you like Zodiac, seek out the Boston Strangler, um, which came out in, I believe the late sixties and is not as good as Zodiac, but very few movies are, but, uh, it definitely has that procedural quality. I would not be at all surprised if David Fincher watched the Boston Strangler over and over again as he was making Zodiac because the two feel very similar. Um, here's a little bit of a weird one. Okay. Cause it's getting into TV. 
<clears throat> but if you like Paths of Glory, okay, who doesn't like Paths of Glory? Sure. Right? Uh, check out an episode of Tales from the Crypt called Yellow. Okay. Which um, uh, was, uh, I want to say, directed by Robert Zemeckis, I want to say. Okay. And it stars uh, Kirk Douglas mm-hmm. and not Michael Douglas. Who's the other uh, Douglas son? Do you know what I'm talking about? Kirk Douglas' other son who's an actor? Cameron? Is that right? I can't remember. Um, and it is clearly an homage to uh, Paz Glory. It also has Dan Aykroyd in a small role. Hmm. <clears throat> but um, uh, the younger Douglas, whatever, plays a World War II um, soldier being tried for cowardice, and his commanding officer is his father, Kirk Douglas. Hmm. And Kirk Douglas, I guess, has to choose between upholding his duty as a soldier and um, his compassion as a father. And if that doesn't sound like a... Tales from the Crypt episode to you. It's because it was a backdoor pilot for another Tales of the Crypt, Tales from the Crypt like series that HBO was going to do called Two Fisted Tales hmm. that never happened. Um, they they were going to do a whole because Two Fisted Tales was also in uh, what was the comic company that made uh, I don't remember DC or something like that and made Tales from the Crypt. They also had a line called Two Fisted Tales, and so HBO was going to do a companion anthology series, apparently called two fisted tales and they never went through with it, but they had Robert Zemeckis make this pilot. So they aired it as an episode of tales in the crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, really awesome. And you can probably watch the whole thing on YouTube, if, but at this point, maybe it's on HBO go. I have no idea. Yeah. It's, I feel like it should be. I mean, they have, they have dream on and Arliss. Do they have dream on? I, uh, you know what? I don't know if that's true. They might not have dream on. They might not have dream on. Um, okay. So here's one that, uh, started as a, more than one lesson, uh, primary film and companion film. And I've inverted them. If you are a fan of traffic, Steven Soderbergh's traffic, seek out a most wanted man. Okay. Um, I could see that just if you enjoy, uh, you know, cynicism and, uh, and, uh, uh, futile, uh, admittedly, and both of them are about wars that are, uh, unwinnable. Um, and just the, the soldiers that are doing their best within that and just realize like they don't, they're not getting a lot of support from, from anybody and they're very much on their own. So, um, and a most wanted man is a movie that, uh, if anything, it might be remembered as, as Philip Seymour Hoffman's last, uh, I mean, obviously there are the hunger games movies and stuff, but like, as far as like a lead performance, this was, uh, his last one. And it's a, so people might already know about that one, but, uh, but yeah, seek out uh, a most wanted man if you are a fan of traffic. You can, you can go into your next one. I'm trying to find okay. something good right now. Uh, let's see. I've said this a million times before, so I'll just brush past it. And this goes back to the movies the same year. And I know you're not a big fan of the one I'm about to re- uh, recommend. If you like Braveheart, uh-huh. seek out Rob Roy. Um, uh, yeah. uh, a movie that there's a lot of good in it. Okay. There are individual elements that are great specifically Tim Roth, uh, who's, who's marvelous, but also there's just a, there's definitely a, a nice sweeping quality to Rob Roy that I like quite a bit. Um, and I think I prefer Rob Roy to Braveheart, but if you watch, if you were to, if you were to make a night of it, then like you are going to have a really, uh, a lot of fun watching, a swashbuckling, uh, Scotsman dealing with uh, the oppressive British. Um, boy, I don't know. I don't know if you like um, if you like Amelie. Okay, check out Jules and Jim. 
Sure. They're both kind of, I mean, Amelie is not a new wave film, uh, but they're both um, fanciful but heartbreaking uh, yeah. French movies. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see. If you liked... Now, here's one that I, I talked to you when I, when I pitched this idea. Uh, I threw this out to you. Our listeners are probably infinitely more familiar with the older film here, which is A Woman Under the Influence, uh-huh. than the film that I will recommend, which is Rachel Getting Married. Oh. Um, there's definitely... Uh, I, I wouldn't say that Jonathan Demme is a is a Cassavetes-type filmmaker, but there's definitely a quality to Rachel Getting Married where it feels heavily improvised, even if it isn't. Um, and there's and we're just dealing with with often very unstable characters, and it just so much about Rachel getting married feels like it could be just a very standard boilerplate kitchen sink drama, but by embracing uh, a very manic quality that I think you'll find in a woman of the influence, I feel like it it really makes that film essential, and it's a marvelous Anne Hathaway performance. Everyone's great I, in that movie. Deborah I, Winger's great. Bill, yeah. Bill Irwin is great. Um, yeah. Um, that was your favorite movie of that year. Yeah. Our, our friend who's in the movie is great. Mather Zickle. That's Mather right. Zickle. Um, man, I am, I am, I am running low on, on stuff to talk about here. Yeah. I, I put more in here than I'm actually gonna say because some of them are just like, who cares? Uh, but there's maybe, w- maybe two or three more that I feel like I should say. Okay. Um, are there any others that, that jump out to you on your list here? Not immediately, but let me, uh, why don't you circle back to me? Okay. So here's an obvious one. If you liked nerve, which admittedly not a lot of people saw, but uh-huh. it is a movie that people really responded to that did see it. Uh, one of the better movies of the summer, uh, then do seek out the game. I think you would like that quite a bit. Th- just the notion or also, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do this. You've probably seen the game. So if you like Nerve, seek out a film that is not great, but is interesting, called Eagle Eye. Oh. Which is made by, uh, what's his name, DJ Caruso, who yeah. made Disturbia. Um, Disturbia. Disturbia is a fun movie. Yeah, um, I liked it. Eagle Eye is a better movie than I expected it to be, and it's definitely the idea of this unseen force just manipulating our main character. Uh, now the game is definitely that as well, but if you're a listener of battleship pretension, you're probably a Fincher fan. You've probably seen the game. So seek out Eagle eye uh, again. I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it definitely, uh, belongs in the same category as a movie like nerve. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give up. I, I, I feel like the stuff I have is too, too obvious. Like, okay. Like what? Uh, I mean, like, if you if you like the Dark Knight, make sure you've seen all of Michael Mann's movies. Sure, yeah, <laughs> like that's uh, that, that's that's a that's kind of a big one. Um, I will mention I'll, I'll mention two more for real, and then I'll just rattle some off. Okay, okay. If you liked L.A. Confidential, seek out a film called Where the Sidewalk Ends, which is a uh, we talked it. we talked about with Kristen Sales at some point. Yeah, I've seen that. Movie. Um, and that's one that it's a, it's a, it's an old time film noir with Dan Andrews and, um, and an aspect of LA confidential is the idea of characters trying to live up to their fathers, uh, or trying to, to live up to some standard being put on them and where the sidewalk ends definitely has that element. And it's a marvelous film all around. But I think if you, uh, it, it reminded me of LA confidential when I watched it. 
Um, uh, I thought of one. If you like the Fast and Furious movies, see Two Lane Blacktop. You will be <laughs> very disappointed, yeah. but you will have seen a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess if you like the fact that there are cars that exist. Um, okay. Uh, here's one that I've, that I, uh, mentioned on more than one lesson. If you like Iron Man, and we talked about Robert Downey Jr. If you like Iron Man, seek out the shadow. Um, a movie that's just as far as the nature of the character of Tony Stark as kind of a quippy type guy who also was very much not just a, a cad who's very selfish and that sort of thing. And, and is responsible for some pretty terrible things and then has to redeem himself by taking on this other identity. The shadow definitely is that. And it's Alec Baldwin being great. A lot of great performances in the shadow. Um, it's very tongue in cheek in a lot of ways. Um, I like it a lot as a fun bit of, stylistic excess um but as far as character arcs and the idea of the wise cracking hero um seek out the shadow and it, it came about at a time when alec baldwin was not known for being funny uh but there's a lot of humor uh in the shadow yeah, yeah. um and who plays his uh driver is peter it boyle peter boyle yeah yeah speaking of funny all right this one's a stretch okay but it all the the companion also involves someone uh spying out their window. So if you like rear window, check out, I never know how to say this movie. Monsieur Hire. Hire. Oh gosh. I, oh, I know the uh, one you're talking about. You didn't watch it when we did our Patrice Lacombe episode. I might have. Okay. Now that I think about it, uh, the guy is obsessed with the woman who lives across the street. That's from, yeah. From him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrific, terrific movie. Yeah. I think that's a perfectly reasonable, uh, okay. you know, he's and not trying to out. solve any cri- crimes right. or anything, but yeah, he he's is, just a, he is a voyeur. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to speed through the rest of mine that I don't feel like really talking much about, but okay. just like, okay, so here we go. If you liked The Witch, the most recent, fi- the, the recent film, mm-hmm. seek out the original, Wicker Man. If you like Bone Tomahawk, seek out Ravenous, or if you like Ravenous, seek out Bone Tomahawk. I'm not exactly sure which one is which. <laughs> uh, if you like Ex Machina, seek out AI. If you like The End of the Tour, watch uh, Amadeus. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's like a, a more than one lesson to come, by the way. And I had Amadeus, and I was like, what should I... Like, I saw Amadeus, and I was like, there should be something. There should be a companion for Amadeus. Yeah. Uh, but you went the other way around with it. Yeah, I guess it could probably go either way. Uh, if you like Bridge of Spies, see Grand Illusion. Um, if you like Gravity, see Moon. They're, they're not that similar, but there's an element to them that I like. Okay. Uh, let's see. If you like Selma, see Gandhi, uh, although Gandhi is definitely a bloated film. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of, of that movie. Uh, and then I think, oh, and if you like the original Double Indemnity, seek out The Postman Always Rings Twice for a number of reasons. Uh, both are based on James M. Cain. Double Indemnity is the better film, but people, did, people haven't really seen Postman Always Rings Twice, and they don't really talk about it, but there's a lot of good in that movie. Yeah. Um, including a delightful uh, Hume Cronin. Is it? I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's his uh, sleazy lawyer who's always saying, I'm handling it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of... Uh, try, uh, I, I had one on the tip of my tongue, and, and, then I, and then I lost it. And that's the thing. We could probably do another one of these. Yeah. In fact, I almost insist on it because I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah. And hopefully the yeah. listeners did as well. I have one that I, I honestly, the both movies from about the same time and I don't know which one to say which. Okay. But basically what I'm saying is if you haven't seen them both, see Desperately Seeking Susan and Something Wild. 
check out okay, both those sure, movies. Sure. Those are those are important movies. <laughs> if you liked one, you like the other. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, one that I, that was uh, on here, but it's almost too obvious. Is if you like Hail Caesar, seek out Sullivan's Travels. Okay. Um, the Coen Brothers are clearly fans of Sullivan's Travels because in that movie, he's trying to make a movie called Oh Brother, Where Art yes. Thou? Yes. So. Um, but yeah, so that's that's it for me, um, and okay. I and I'm trying to think, you know, I'm trying to see if I can think of any on the fly, but I can't really, so I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I had one and it it, it's, it slipped away from me. Uh, I, I I can't remember, um, I can't remember what the first half of the equation was supposed to be. And that's uh, the thing is so. Uh, one of the one of the constraints of this topic is that the one that oh you've got to see this it has to be lesser known. You know, it's right. very easy to say, yeah. oh, if you like this, you'll see, you know, like you said with Dark Knight and Heat. Yeah, we've seen Heat. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so I can't think of, of of many others at this point. Yeah, I guess um, we mentioned Zodiac before. Mm-hmm. Um, check out Memories of Murder. That's a, a, a Korean movie. Oh, OK. Um, that's a murder mystery. It's much it's different than than Zodiac, but it is uh, about. Yeah, cops on the trail of a, of a of a murderer. It's it's funnier than Zodiac. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's from the director of the host, so he knows. How oh to, yeah, yeah. How to put a uh, Bong Joon Ho knows how to put a uh, comedy in where you wouldn't expect it to be. Yeah, often in the, like in the host, the com- <laughs> there's a scene that you and I started laughing at. You're supposed to. We, we're supposed to. Yeah, but it comes as a family is is ridiculously after a certain point ridiculously mourning the loss of a child yeah <laughs> yeah they're doing what they should be doing and then they carry it too far yeah. and it becomes fun uh, yeah. yeah absolutely um all right yeah uh let's i i do want to do another one of these because i feel like uh i feel like i've got more brewing in my mind already all right uh well thanks for listening you can find us at battleshipretention.com you can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com you can uh follow me david on twitter at davy pretension you can follow tyler at tyler pretension uh what's going on at more than one lesson uh let's see so we've uh the last couple weeks we've been uh, barreling through some uh, some best pictures we recently talked about the apartment which won best picture 1960 and then uh we talked about West Side Story, which won in 1961. As far as what's coming up, it's going to be, this is a very rare thing. I will be introducing Jim Rohner, who writes for the site from time to time. Yeah. And he will be on his own. He's basically recording this and I'm just doing a wraparound. Uh, his 10 favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's a thing I'm going to have to do from time to time while I am in school. Oh, that's fun. So... Uh, my other podcast is, as we know it, coming to an end. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. We're doing our final episode uh, this week. It's uh, probably up uh, by the time you're hearing this, in which we're talking about our, uh, well, it was supposed to be our favorite uh, series finales of all time, and so I picked Angel, Not Fade Away, um, one of my favorite uh, episodes of television uh, of all time, full stop. But then Paul picked the How I Met Your Mother finale, which I guess is just because it's like, there's a lot to talk about there, because it's I controversial. Which uh, when... But, when I was on, when I was uh, subbing for you on on that show, I talked about the finale to How I Met Your Mother, oh. which is to this day the only episode of that I've seen. Yeah, I wonder if maybe I haven't seen it. Hmm. I don't know. I stopped watching that show, but I, I've gone back and watched some of the, the last. Se- I like the last season, the idea of the last season, which is yeah. that it all takes place on one day. 
Um, that's I've seen a couple of those, but maybe I haven't watched the last one. I'll find out when I watch it, probably when I get home tonight. All right, um, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 